Hello and welcome to the PacMag Parents Podcast, your place to laugh and learn. Everything we do is to make the lives of everyday parents easier. Without further ado, let's welcome our hostess with the mostess, Bree James. Hi, I'm Bree James and welcome back to the PacMag Parents Podcast. Now, today's episode is on a very important topic, but it is a little bit on the more serious side than we usually do. Um, But I do want to give a listener warning. We do cover suicide in this topic. So if that is a trigger for you, uh, maybe stop listening now. But uh, it's a very important topic. I do recommend that you listen to it. Um, So I hope you're still listening. Uh, Because mental health is a really important conversation that shouldn't go unnoticed or pushed aside. Over 75% of mental health problems occur before the age of 25, making it one of the most important conversations to have with your child. So today I'm going to chat with Community Ambassador Claire Orange about the importance of Are You OK Day and knowing the early warning signs of mental health issues. Let's get her on Zoom. It's time to get to class. So tell me, Claire, why is Are You OK Day so important and what is it? Well, you know, I think we went through so many years, Brie, of just not, not acknowledging that mental health is really like dental health you know dental health we acknowledge we go to the dentist we look after it twice a day we're very proud of our pearly whites but mental health has kind of had this tarnished feel to it that if there's something wrong with your mental health that you don't quite fit or belong or there's something wrong with you and I feel like as we go through these campaigns are you okay day makes it absolutely all right to be all right or to not be all right, and for us to acknowledge that as people. And I think when we bring out days like Are You OK Day, we lean into our natural human kindness, our want and need to connect with others, to feel like we belong and that we're loved, and that it's all right to show and acknowledge that. It's an essential day in the Australian calendar. It is a really important day. Um, How can we help those at risk that do put their hands up on are you okay day and say I'm not okay well I think there's lots of ways that we can help people and it's not just are you okay day I think are you okay day is the the destigmatization of doing what we need to do as good humans every day so all the way through the year we need to be knowing that when we ask someone okay and they say I'm not really or even if they don't say it with their words, but they say it with their actions and they say it with their faces and their bodies, that we need to step out of the hamster wheel that we find ourselves on as humans, Um, especially, you know, parents and working parents, you're running a million miles an hour. And I think we need to step out of that very busy space and just open a space to be with that person, to listen empathetically to their story to help them even if they don't show the signs of wanting help by being there, by suggesting things that they they might like to do that might improve their sense of being and and belonging. Uh, I think we need to attach them to great help agencies where they can go and feel like they're not alone on their fraught mental health journey. So I think whenever we hear either through words or actions that someone's not okay, it is on us to put down the mantle of busyness and to pick up that, that burden of care for a human. Stop 
and take it seriously because the end point of, of mental illness for all of us is dire. Yeah, it's um, certainly, um, I guess, more, there's a lot more awareness around it um, than there ever has been before, which I think is taking away the stigma, which is fantastic. So why is it so important that we are asking that question, are you okay, um, when we see someone struggling with life's ups and downs besides the obvious? Uh, you know, it, it, I, I, think, I think when we look at the loneliness epidemic, that's really a, a global phenomenon, that even though we live in the age of more connection than we've ever, ever had before, so we are digitally collect, connected to people all over the globe and we can have that connection 24 hours a day, when, when that's a superficial connection, when it's a thin connection rather than a thick and deep connection, we can kind of spin past hurt and hopelessness and, and not take that time to recognise the risk of someone who's not okay. So I think all of these questions that we ask, it's, it's so important to be taking the time to notice the people around us, the parents around us, the grandparents around us, the children around us who might not be okay and to open the space and time to be a great human and do something about it. There's a, there's a, a saying, you know, that what you walk past is what you're willing to accept. And if you're willing to walk past someone in despair or suffering or just not coping with the burden of life, which is huge for most of us, the burden of life, wherever we're at, <clears throat> excuse me, on our journey, the burden of life is, is huge. So asking that question acknowledges it, it normalises it, and it connects us to our health resources. Suicide is one of those things, I think, um, that makes many parents exceptionally nervous. I know myself included, um, especially, you know, there is, I don't know whether it's been a rise or whether it's just been more brought to our awareness, um, you know, that youth suicide um, and I guess even anyone that's thinking about taking their own life. Um, but it's really difficult to discuss it with children. Um, but it is something that they're aware of. Um, you know, some of them have had their, one of their peers um, do commit suicide. So, but how do we approach this subject with them so that they understand it and I guess not do it? Yeah, uh, it's, it's so complex. And as a therapist, you know, this is my job, this is my world, this is what I do. And I'd say to every parent out there, depending on the age of, of your child, you know, I've got a, a, a lovely friend who is the mum of four kids as well. And uh, she learnt very early in the piece. So her son said to her, he was in the bath, probably about six, said, mum, where did I come from? And she thought, right, now is the time to tell him everything. And she just told him everything. She told him all about the birds and bees. And his little face was very sad and he said, but mum, my friend George gets to come from Sydney. Why did I have to come from there? And, and <laughs> I think it's, it's such a good parenting lesson, isn't it? When our children are either asking about to become informed on something is lead in with the questions, curious questions about 
tell me more about what you'd like to know rather than you know spewing forth all of your concerns because I would say that for every parent including myself it's our worst nightmare the thought of our child being right at the edge of life to be so sad and alone and despairing that that becomes a reality for them and it can become and enacted in a closed reality for them, and that's what they do. So I'd say whatever age child you've got, uh, become very curious about why they're asking about suicide, non-judgmental, non-panic-struck. You know, parents like, oh, if they're talking about it, that must mean they've got some level of ideation. It can just be some level of curiosity. As you said, Brie, you know, suicide and talking about suicide is everywhere. It's everywhere. And for most of us, uh, who are bringing up young people. We're going to have very young people who might be getting a playground education and they might hear it talked about by a friend. Um, they might hear it um, talked about in a very popular way, like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, there's certainly a lot of what our children are seeing on social media that makes suicide feel like it could be a good revenge plan. It could be very accessible, could be the way to get back at people. Um, and through those very same apps, our children are exposed to a world of hate. So they might put a TikTok up and thousands of children can say, oh, you're so lame, kill yourself. You know, these, these are daily things. So we think as parents, we've got to understand that we're living in an age where talking about, thinking about suicide has become part of daily conversation. We've got to have these conversations in that age-appropriate way with our children early and effectively. We've got to make sure that we don't make it seem like um, it's ridiculous. You know, parents can go, oh, that's ridiculous. You've got a wonderful life. You've got so much to live for. We, we don't want to minimise it, but we don't want to justify it either. So we've got to make sure that if we've got a seven-year-old who's asking, we have that appropriate conversation with them, that sometimes some people's lives get so sad and so hard that they feel like this is what they're doing. But if we can talk to those people and ask them if they're okay and connect them to help resources, that works. If you've got a teenager, it's a different conversation. If your teenager is talking or showing signs of suicidal ideation, it's that immediate action that you need to be taking as a parent, non-catastrophic, calm, steady action. Find your help resources, reach out, take it seriously, don't minimise it. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a definitely a tough, tough subject for parents. Is there any advice that you can give to someone who may be listening right now or people listening right now that have got someone in their life who's suffering from a mental illness um, and is looking for support? Like with anything, you know, if you have that niggling ongoing ache in your tooth, you very rarely think, oh, I'll see how I go, might fall out, might be all right, might go away. You know, our mental health is like that, like that, like our dental health, like our physical health. When you get that niggle, when you feel like something's not right with you or not right with your environment or not right with your child, is take it as seriously as any other health concern. Mental health is just like physical health. We need to attend to it. So my, my advice would be stay connected. Mental illness isolates us from others. We feel less able. We lose our self-esteem and our self-confidence. Go and talk to someone you love and trust and say, I'm in a tough and tricky spot. 
what can I do? If you don't have that person, go to your GP. GPs are wonderful. They're sounding boards. So if you don't have a friend or even if you do have a friend and you feel like it's beyond them, go and speak to your GP. And, of course, there's Lifeline, there's Kids Helpline. We have active and often anonymous help sources right at our fingertips that we can access 24 hours a day. There's a suicide text back line where you can text any time of the day or night and someone will, will talk you through where you're at and, and how you're feeling about your life and where, where this despair is coming from, where the anguish is coming from. There are so many help resources here in Australia and reaching out for help is definitely a sign of bravery, incredible strength and courage. And, you know, I think it's on all of us to be looking out for those people in our lives who are not coping, especially given our global situation at the moment. And it's on us to look after ourselves and our children, to notice changes in sleep, in diet, in activity, the child who withdraws more, wants to be on their technology more. These are all very subtle signs, but collectively tell us that something might not be right. Take them seriously. Find help early. There's no shame. There's no shame in accepting help over your mental health. No one's ever going to say to you, wow, you know, must be something wrong with you. It doesn't work like that. There are masses of kind and courageous people on the front line who will help you with your link to life. So, so you know, early, effective and immediate in some cases. So how prevalent is childhood suicide because, you know, I know my son's just started high school and he's come home talking about it. My son's in primary school. He's come home talking about it. Um, I know that children in our kids' schools have committed suicide. How prevalent is it in Australia now? Well, childhood suicide is the, the leading cause of childhood death in Australia by a factor of four. So there's nothing that gets close to suicide for for really, um, you know, interrupting lives of family and children. It's, it's, it's hugely distressing. And, of course, as we're seeing more and more of our Australian children online at an earlier age, they're in a very complex social environment that <clears throat> often puts them in an environment well beyond their tools. So uh, we can anticipate amidst the global pressure that we're seeing around you know, with COVID, with digital life, with the busyness of family life, we're seeing that the core and fundamental needs of childhood are sometimes being overlooked and overwhelmed. And uh, I think we can anticipate moving forward that childhood suicide, unless we take some really big preventative steps, is going to stay where it is and most likely increase. Now, I know you're very passionate about child suicide. We were just talking about it off air before, um, before, what is your big driving force? This is always complex to talk about. So um, having attended a number of uh, suicides of children to hold population and parents steady after the event, my, my biggest driver is a young man who uh, took his own life very tragically uh, still breaks my heart. So uh, instead of uh, turning turning 21 as he should, uh, his family are still learning to live, in, live without him many years on. And it's a promise to <clears throat> his family, to all families, that 
until we really lean into prevention, until we accept that our mental health is as important as any other aspect of our lives, of getting therapy, of saying, this is too much for me. You know, as a mum of children in primary and high school, just sort of sandwiched in those tween years, you'll know pressure is extraordinary to achieve, to grow, to show your accomplishments. It's so complex parenting, a most complicated thing I've done in my whole life. Um, and it's certainly complicated being a kid. Um, so when it goes horrifically wrong, horrifically wrong, um, and you get someone like me who, who goes in to help and stabilise families, it uh, scars your psychology, mine, that, you know, vicarious trauma, and, uh, and that intensifies as the years goes by, but it stays as my core driver that no child should ever feel so alone, so under-resourced, that that becomes their only choice, you know. It is something that all parents need to take very seriously because the years that follow are long and it's very much like being in limbo, you know. You're not of this earth, but you're not with your child either. It makes life a long time to live. Um, so the more we can do, the more awareness, the more accepting that we can become of mental ill health, that it's just a thing. It's like any physical ill health. You take care of it. You don't ignore it. You don't hope it goes away. And I'd encourage every parent out there to, to take that exceptionally seriously because the alternative is unthinkable. So obviously there's warning signs um, that you mentioned earlier. Is there any sort of preventative things? Is there, because, you know, some of these parents, you know, we think we're doing such a great job, um, but mental illness, I guess, is it's non-discriminative. It just... You're exactly right. It goes across demographics. It's, it's non-selective. And, and sometimes, you know, we talk about mental illness, which would say that over time we're seeing a, collect a collection of signs and symptoms that would indicate some level of distress. I would also say that we've moved into the age where um, the catastrophic impact of what might happen in a child's online life can mean that they're linked to life, their accumulation of shame and pain can happen very rapidly. It can happen within 24 to 48 hours. So we have moved out of even 10 to 15 years ago, watching patterns of ideation with children and being able to lean in at critical points as that link to life service. We are now finding that with children being online. So they might have posted a video on TikTok, for example, there's so many platforms out there, but let's choose TikTok. And uh, they've had shame heaped on them. It's brought a massive audience of haters. That's a lot for a child. It feels embarrassing. The child who's taken a picture of themselves, you know, 22% of our 12 to 16-year-old girls have sent a nude or semi-nude image, believing that they're sending it to someone who loves them and they can trust until it's passed on. That's a lot of shame for our children to try and find a space for. Uh, you know, how would you have coped with that at 12? I certainly wouldn't. 
um, and we're asking our young people to cope in very complex environments and it can change how they feel about themselves, how much they want to live. So parents, these warning signs, any changing routine, your child wanting to be online more, changes to sleep, changes to eating, not wanting to go to school, uh, all of those things, they, they are warning signs. Early action. You know what? Far better a parent coming to me and me saying, it's all good. It's all good. What you're saying is really normal. This is called normal teenage behaviour. And what we're going to do is we're going to work towards these sorts of outcomes in your family. How good to be told that as opposed to having missed it completely. So, you know, just go and get those services. No one's going to say, look at you, you paranoid parent. Don't be ridiculous. No one does that stuff. So, you know, just go. Much better. Much yeah. better than the alternative. You know, obviously you've mentioned technology a lot, um, you know, with the demise of children's mental health. I think, you know, I agree with you completely. I think uh, you said something before, they're, expo they're exposed to a world of shame and pain through the internet. I mean, obviously the internet has some money, so many wonderful things attached to it. But like you said, they're not neurologically advanced enough to be able to deal with it. Um, you know, it, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, those those tween and teen years uh, that transition into adulthood is is always messy it's usually characterized by lots of risky behaviors and growing into their sexual being um, that in the offline space you know I'm nearly 50 it was messy when I went through it but there was no one putting my messiness on YouTube uh, thank goodness oh, that would have been ghastly um, but for our children you know they live in a highly exposed world every action that they undertake and what they undertake in the in the this minute thinking it's very cool um, but could go very badly wrong you know we have a whole bunch of girls are using dating apps so from 12 to 14 putting themselves on dating apps uh, to see who swipes left or right as as an acknowledgement of self someone thinks I'm cute or beautiful or pretty um, you know and and it's freely available to our children to do all of that stuff so, you know, we, we need to really know what's going on in our children's digital lives. We need to not be particularly horrified if we find a bit of porn, if we see our children have put images up that really, you know, make us feel worried and scared. We need to stay calm. We need to make sure that we try and withdraw as much as we can, use the right authorities to help us withdraw damaging, reputationally damaging materials. Because then if our kids see us being steady and going, it is what it is. You know, all of us had a peep at a naughty magazine at some point in our lives. Um, now our kids are seeing, you know, really degrading sexual acts pornographically. So 25% of our Australian boys are regularly accessing pornographic content. And, and, you know, the statistics around average age of access being eight years in Australia um, says that our kids are in this world of pain and world of shame that they don't have resources. So we are the resource parents. We are the resource. You are that external risk moderator. Watch what your children are doing. Digital life is, is highly damaging for our children. So minimise it. Encourage your children to be safe. Educate them early. So exceptionally important. One of the biggest factors for parents to, to get on top of. 
so many questions I can keep asking you, Claire, but I think we'll save that for another episode at some other point. Um, it's been really wonderful to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for giving us all a little bit of shake up <laughs> because I think we do need it. I think um, there is so much, I guess, dismissal um, of this generation that are struggling with this overwhelm of this uh, shame and pain that is around them. And I think, you know, some kids are more sensitive than others and we need to give them that grace and those tools to be able to, you know, um, live their best life and, you know, reach their at least 21st birthdays um, and beyond Absolutely. 80th, 90th, 100th birthdays. So um, it takes a whole village. I think we all need to care more um, about our children um, and, you know, together raise them to be as resilient as possible mm -hmm. and check in on all of our children yours and other people's you know it's on us not just to to focus in on our own children and families but to value every child every life and to make sure that you don't walk past it <clears throat> you don't look away from from pain or something that might be happening for someone else's child take it seriously it could it could save a life mm. Any parting words for parents listening right now that may have a child that is really, really suffering with their mental health, that, you know, maybe on drugs to help it and nothing's working? Any parting words? Slow and steady. You know, I think having, you know, my eldest being uh, now 23 and the youngest being 15, one of those things is when you're in the trenches, it's really, really hard to feel like what you're going through now is ever going to change. You just feel like, so whether you've got a toddler, you feel like you're always just going to be immersed in a small person rejecting the pink plate or the sandwich that's cut in a triangle. And it just feels like it's never, ever going to end. And if you have a child in those teenage years really struggling with their mental health, know that that link to life is important. Take out the stressors, take out the things that don't work for them. Who cares what everyone else's kid is doing? Whether they're putting photos up on their social media of their beautifully hairbrushed child achieving awards and trophies. Take all the stress points out of your kid's life. Link them to life, even if it means putting education on hold for a while. You know what? It'll come. Keep your kid connected to life and know that this immense pain you're in right now, it will pass. It does. It feels like it's going to last forever, but it doesn't. You just got to keep your kid alive for long enough for that human brain to catch up uh, and learn that pattern of self-regulation. And it will happen. It will happen. It does happen, even though it feels quite stricken right now. Claire, thank you so much for all your amazing insights today. Make sure you check out one of her 16 books and uh, her best program for kids um, and all sorts of other things that I'm going to put in the show notes for you but thank you so much for being on this podcast today I really appreciate your time wonderful thank you for having me important conversations if you're loving the pack mag parenting podcast then you'll love our other channels follow pack mag on facebook instagram youtube and pinterest it's a wrap what did we learn on today's show we learned a lot today. Thank you so much, uh, Claire, for your incredible insights. Number one was when 
someone we know isn't okay, we need to jump off the hamster wheel of life and be there for them through this time in their life. We need to remind them that they aren't alone. Okay, so that's really important. And number two is that children are always curious. So don't be scared if they bring up the topic of suicide. They may have heard through conversation at school or through media. So be open about this topic to your child in an age-appropriate way, of course. But don't shut down this important conversation. It's, it's something that if they're asking, they want to know. Number three is that mental health is just like physical health and we need to take action when something isn't right. And we've got to stay connected because mental illness isolates us from others. So you've got to talk to a safe person uh, that you feel comfortable with. And if this isn't possible for you, then your GP can be great uh, to have a chat to um, and go and see a counsellor or a psychologist or something like that. Make sure they refer you to someone that can help. Um, reaching out is a sign of bravery and strength. There's no shame in accepting help for your mental health. If your car broke down, you go and see a mechanic. It's the same with your emotional help. Go and get help if you need it. Now, suicide doesn't just affect the individual who chooses to do so. It's a ripple effect through the friends, families, teachers, and coaches who knew the individual. Uh, the years that follow are a constant reminder, and we need to notice the changes early on and reach out for help with out the fear of being judged and the last point was don't walk away from pain don't ignore the signs even if it's not your child noticing these signs early you could save a life in the future if you or anyone you know is suffering from mental health please reach out to lifeline australia or check out the helpful list of resources in the show notes below well that's the end of the show a really important topic i hope you uh, got some insights into the the depth of what uh, claire is trying to achieve make sure you go and check out her amazing business digisocial um, and her best for kids programs uh, there's so much we'll put that all in the show notes though but thank you so much for claire uh, it was tough on Claire a few times with the recording um, emotionally. She's an incredible woman, so uh, support her any way that you can. But thank you to everyone else who's made the show possible. Uh, thank you so much again, Claire, for being on the show. And make sure you support Are You OK Day, not just on Are You OK Day, but every day. Until next time, happy parenting. And don't forget to tell everyone you heard it on PacMag. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you want to be an expert guest or you've got a weird, wacky or wonderful product to share, don't be shy. Get in contact with our team at info at pacmag.com.au. This podcast is proudly produced by PacMag. You can listen to more episodes on our website, pacmag.com.au.